Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. What it means to be queen and why I love the archetype of queen so much is she is the masterful blend of the feminine and the masculine. She's not all feminine, which I love a goddess and I love a priestess, but she's not sitting on a rock with wind blowing in her hair, waiting for, you know, the the ships to come in. She is great at receiving because she's feminine and she's great at initiating and taking action because she is also masculine and the wisdom of the queen is to know the difference and when to use what. Hey U-Turners, it's Ash here and I've got quite the gift for you today and it is one of my favorite women in the whole wide world, Gina DeVee. She is the author of Audacity to be Queen, The Unapologetic Art of Dreaming Big and Manifesting Your Most Fabulous Life. She's a speaker, she's a success coach and let me testify to you right now, she is fucking fabulous and I'm just so excited to have her here. She's been such a resource for me, such a source of inspiration and just a really dear friend and her book is coming out this week. So you've got to get on Amazon and get a copy. And that's why I want to talk to her about how to think and communicate like a queen, because there are certain ways that we can all communicate and think and operate in the world that shows up with so much more empowerment. And if you think about queens, you know, they're not waiting for the people to give them permission to speak. They're just talking. So Gina, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Ashley, it's fabulous to be here. And hi, U-Turners. I'm really uh, delighted to be here. Yeah, it's it's honestly, um, whenever I have friends on the show, it's like, I feel it feels like a birthday party for me. And I get to pull so many things out. So I want to start and ask you, like, what got you interested in being a queen? I know you have a deep story and connection to it. It's true. It's true. Well, two things uh, started out. One, I was a broke, struggling psychotherapist and felt like anything but uh, a queen in my life. And two, I was mesmerized by the ancient and true story of Queen Esther of Persia. And for those of you that don't know the story, I mean, Christians don't from the Bible. Jews know the story from Purim. The rest of the world knows it more as the Cinderella story of a very ordinary woman who had a very majestic calling on her life. And basically it was the opportunity for her to not let the regular constraints of what society tells us we can do or what society tells us we should do or um, anything about that, that led her into literally going from being a Jewish orphan girl to the queen of Persia. And when I realized that Esther's story wasn't any different than mine or anyone else's, that any ordinary person can raise to a very high level of success, create an incredible contribution in the world, I wanted more of that in my life. So I started studying all things queen. And when I... When I think of you, I think you you hold yourself in such a regal, empowered, elegant way. And I know that, you know, maybe it wasn't always that way. Have you always been this way that you've wanted to um, step into this uh, since you were a kid? Or what were you like when you were younger? Well, I've always had a flair for the finer things in life, that's for sure. And uh, growing up, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. My parents were school teachers. And, you know, they gave me the best sort of middle class life that that parents can give. But it was like shopping on the sale racks. And it was, you know, 
uh, camping was our vacations and there's nothing wrong with either of those things, but it wasn't the totality of what I wanted to experience. Um, you know, I was taught go to college and get a job, but it had sort of this limitation in the air. And I wanted to have a job and a career that was really making a big difference in the world and was also um, letting me really enjoy life and provide a fabulous lifestyle. So mm -hmm. I've been very unapologetic about, um, I've been unwilling to have, to not have a meaningful career and a fabulous lifestyle. But my quest at the time was, how do you do that? Because it seemed like people either had meaningful careers or they would like sell their soul to get this job to make a bunch of money. And I was determined to have both. Okay. So, you know, when I think about you and, um, your, your life, I, I also get so curious sometimes, like what was that moment that you shifted into being an entrepreneur and, um, really creating a message around your own empowerment? Like what was it for you that was your final straw? <laughs> um, this is gonna be fun for you because you don't know this. Story. Yeah, tell me. So this was back in the day. I do write about this in, in the book in depth, but I'll, I'll give you all the the kind of audible version. I had just moved from Detroit to Los Angeles, and I had no friends. And um, I stopped being a psychotherapist because I was going to be a life coach. Um, I was done with, you know, this struggling and insurance um, companies, you know, waiting for the payments and all that kind of thing. So I was going to be, you know, come a life coach. And so rather than being consistently broke, I was neurotically broke because I never knew when I was going to get my next client. And my bank account had dwindled down to $100. And I didn't know where, to, where I was going to get my next client. I didn't have a website at the time. I, you know, um, <laughs> didn't have anything going on. And I prayed. Honestly, it was just like, I didn't know what else to do. This is when the universe, like, I just, I needed a miracle. Mm -hmm. And somebody called. It was a friend of a friend who was coming into town and gave me a free ticket to some sort of business event. I didn't even know what it was. And I didn't even consider myself an entrepreneur at the time. Um, you know, I went to college to become a psychotherapist so that I could help people better their lives. I didn't know that meant you, you became an entrepreneur. Mm. And so I, um, I accepted the invitation I put $20 of gas in my car, drove down to Orange County. So I've got $80 in my bank account. I walk into this like seminar space and like everybody was like buzzing around and like the secret had just come out and everyone was talking about the secret. And, you know, you don't normally need to take that long to make a decision to buy what was then a DVD. But when it's like 20% of your net worth, <laughs> like pause for a moment. Yeah. And I was like, what, what do I got to lose? So I go buy the secrets. So I've got $60 in my bank account. And I um, walk into this space where I'd been really like depressed and in a funk and just didn't know like how I was going to live this big life that I wanted to live. And people were happy. They were like buzzing around. They were high-fiving. It was like they were in community. And I was like, what is this? And um, I said, you know, I got my three ring binder, my book that came with the, you know, ticket or whatever. And I sat down and I looked at it and the, the title of the seminar was called The Science of Getting Rich. Mm. So I to totally freaked out because as much as I wanted wealth in my life and not having money was ruining my life, I was super afraid of like, you know, I wasn't going to sell my soul for money either. Yeah. And so I was like, where am I? And um, then this, you know, ancient looking man in a three-piece suit comes out. And he looks like As one pastors. does. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At 9 a.m. on a Tuesday morning in California. And I was like, well, this guy looks like the pastors I grew up going to church listening to. So he must be all right. And he's like, one will never have a really full life uh, unless you are rich paraphrasing, but wow. I freaked out because I was like, I knew there was something about that that was true. Mm. And I kept sort of like making money wrong in the way like I'm not about the money and I'm not just going for the money. Um, but yet I so deeply needed the money and wanted the money. And I had student loan debt and I like didn't have a life. And, and it seemed like money was the big block mm -hmm. between me and having a life. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, like 
flipping through the book, listening to what's being spoken, I could feel my vibration rising. I could feel myself starting to feel happy again. I was hearing things that like was so taboo for how I grew up. And yet like my soul was like, yes, it was like, this is what I've been waiting my whole life to hear. Mm. That there is more than enough money in the world that you can do anything you want with your career. You can have a meaningful career and make a lot of money. And there's no lack of money or clients or opportunity or position. And so I just kept like internally saying, yes, 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 yes. And there in that moment, in that seminar, I made the decision that changed my life. Mm. And the decision was, I will never again struggle financially. Mm. And in that, I will never again say I'd love to, but I don't have the money. Uh. Now, you're this is a woman who has $60 in her bank account. Um, all forms of credit had been destroyed. Credit cards maxed out. Family members were like not available to give me any more money. Like there was no known source of income coming in. But I was different. I, I went and I shifted from wanting to have money in my bank account to making it a must and that I was going to be the woman who did what it took to have a meaningful career and wasn't going to be stopped by a lack of money. So, I mean, I love this because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have had somewhat of a moment in this way and yours was so unique to you. And I also am curious for anybody listening who probably is thinking, Gina, like, uh, like they're judging money in the same way you did in that moment of like, there's something wrong if I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of thoughts do you have at, for someone who wants to step into their power and, but is kind of judging themselves. Cause you know, people are always speaking out of both sides of their mouth on one side. It's like, I really want to be successful. And then on the other side, it's like, but that's greedy and that's wrong. And there's so many limiting beliefs about money. What do you have to say to somebody like that? Yes. Well, this is where the queen came in. And so it really dawned on me that as lit up as I was about this whole story of queen Esther of Persia, that, Um, the way that she was able to make a difference in her life and the only way that she was, was from the position of queen. What happened was real quickly, she was a Jewish orphan girl that got slipped into the palace harem where the king was going to pick out his new queen. And unbeknownst to the king, he picks this Jewish orphan girl. She becomes the queen. At that time, there's a law issued in the land to kill all the Jews. And her cousin goes to her and says, you've got to go to the king and reveal who you really are, expose yourself, and you've got to save us. And so it's this whole dramatic story about how she risks her life and she goes to the king, she exposes who she is, and she, with queenly communication, asks for what she wants, and she saves her people. And in my book, she becomes the heroine of all time. Mm. But the, the point of this is, is that only from the position of queen could she fulfill her calling. Ah. And here's the thing about the archetype of queen that I love, and thank God I got queen archetype and not monk. Not that there's anything wrong with monk. Monks are awesome. It's just not me and my my own DNA. Like, <laughs> queen, queens have castles. Queens have royal robes. Queens have stature and position, and queens are meant to be benevolent queens and, and really be giving and generous as well. Mm, I love that side because you can't really be that generous and giving with your money if you don't have it. Exactly. You cannot give what you don't have. And it takes a lot of money to be queen. Mm -hmm. And so when I really reconciled within myself that if I wanted to make a great contribution in the world, and if I wanted to be generous at the level that I told myself that I did, and if I wanted to be honest with myself that I didn't just want money to give it away and start schools in Africa, like I held this as secret for way too long, just like acting like I was just going to be giving all this money away. It's not like that. I really took what the queenly position of taking a stand for the and is that I can be generous in the world and I can live a great lifestyle and lifestyles. I had to be honest is one of the things that really lights me up Mm -hmm. and I used to apologize for it and I no longer do. Mm -hmm. So back to realizing it takes a lot of money to be queen energetically, I'm very lit up in alignment with being queen. And queen isn't a diva. It's not just grab and take and me, me, me. Queen is really about like Queen Esther saved her people. So 
the work that I now do is who are your people and what are you meant to do and understanding only from the position of queen, are you going to be able to fulfill your purpose? Okay. I love this. And I would love to ask even more about like really defining what it means to be a queen. So you were saying like Esther, she saved her people. It takes money to be her being unapologetic. Like, can you tell us a little bit more for everybody listening so that maybe they can get a set point of like, where are they in this level of empowerment on that scale? Mm -hmm. So understanding and part of what I love about the, the story of Esther in this path is that she wasn't born into royalty. And the ordinary, the, the, the royal road is not an ordinary one. Esther started out orphaned and then she was exiled. Mm. And I think on some level, most of us can relate to that, whether um, anybody listening was literally orphaned or exiled or emotionally and symbolically, most of us can relate to that. Even though if, even if we had great parents on some level, we may not have felt mothered or fathered at the level that we needed or craved or desired. Mm -hmm. And so being queen isn't about being a princess. That's a different archetype. Princesses expect things to be perfect. Queens understand the totality of life. So really understanding that a queen is wise and she looks at this totality of life and looks at the totality of her own life to look at um, first they start out, like if you have been emotionally orphaned, like how can you mother or father yourself? Because a queen is not a victim. And at this point in your life, no matter what you've been through, promise you this, every woman has a story at what every, uh, uh, every man has a story as well. What every human being on this planet has overcome on their path is Herculean. And we like to judge um, some people's stories as better or worse than our own, or we like to gloss over the triumph of what we actually have overcome in our lives. And so what a queen does is just really take an honest look at where are you at in your life? What have you overcome? And what are your current struggles? And how can you no longer be um, emotionally orphaned, but how can you really parent yourself through this? How can you mother yourself, meaning nurture yourself and really take care of yourself? How, how can you father yourself, meaning protect and provide for yourself? Mm. So what it means to be queen and why I love the archetype of queen so much is she is the masterful blend of the feminine and the masculine. She's not all feminine, which I love a goddess and I love a priestess, but she's not sitting on a rock with wind blowing in her hair, waiting for you know, the, the ships to come in. Um, she is great at receiving because she's feminine and she's great at initiating and taking action because she is also masculine. And the wisdom of the queen is to know the difference and when to use what. Oh, this is powerful. So I know a lot of people, we had an episode on the podcast about communication and a little bit about like what does feminine communication and masculine communication look like, but I would love your take on um, some indicators for everybody of like which camp they kind of reside in more, like masculine or feminine. Can you give some examples of what it looks like to be in your feminine and in your masculine versus like the integration of being a queen? Yes, yes, yes. So let's start with the qualities. So femininity is, it is being. It is creative. It is spiritual. It is circular. It is fluid. It's invisible. It's unpredictable. It's outrageous. It's dynamic. Hmm. The masculine is the logical, the linear, the tangible, the concrete, doing, initiating, taking action. So these are some of the different essences of both. In our society, we've become so addicted that, to the masculine that we only worship masculine qualities, and particularly in career and leadership, masculine leadership. Mm -hmm. So though both sides have their strengths and their shadows. So both sides have their strengths and their weakness. And just like art, if you only use one color, when you have this, this whole palette that you could be choosing from, you're really limiting yourself. And society has limited itself to 
make masculine the default mode. Like we're so obsessed with being practical and responsible and reasonable and logical and linear. And you need to get this job for this reason, or you need to go to this university to take this curriculum, or you need to save for a down payment for a house or like what, you know, save for retirement, all these things, none of which intrinsically are off um, or wrong or even bad. But they, if they're not coming from you being spiritually led, if they're not coming from your intuition, if they're not coming from you as an alive human being, then they're just on automatic pilot, on masculine mode, which is do, not do, do. visionary. Like the feminine is what's visionary. And if you want to have an amazing career and land an amazing position, you are going to need to activate both your feminine and your masculine. Oh, I love this. And I also love that you talked about intuition because I think that that's something that people are constantly trying to figure out how to decipher. Like, when are you in fear? When are you in your intuition? When are just voices talking in your head, but they mean nothing? Like, do you have any um, thoughts for everybody on how to access or connect to that kind of intuition as part of their quest to being stepping into queenhood? Yes. Yes. So it's a great segue let me just kind of put a button on the masculine and feminine, which is going to lead into how, how to really discern your intuition. Yes. So at the core of femininity, it's about receiving. And the core of masculinity is about giving. Mm. Okay. So just really get like, if you're in your feminine, you're receiving intuitive hits, you're receiving um, creative insights, you're, re you're able to receive a compliment, you can, you know, uh, receive a gift, whatever it is. When you're in your masculine, that's about giving, you know, providing and protecting is a very generous giving state to be in. Um, so understanding there's the giving, the receiving. So then to get great at receiving intuitive hits, you've got to get great at being feminine. So that's number one, um, is to really understand that there is such a strength in femininity that it is a receiving from infinite intelligence. It's receiving from that sixth sense. Mm. So like anything else, strength grows in increments. And, you know, people kind of swirl and this can be really challenging because it's invisible. It's like, is this a feeling? Is this a thought? Is this intuition? Is this God talking? Is this universe? Was it a sign? Was, you know, a hamster you know, squirmed yeah. or whatever. It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> hamster um, squirmed. That must be a sign. I right? love it. It's like, um, so what I found is grounding in a journal is what really helped me hone my intuition. Mm. And you can use whatever languaging works for you. But I found just like, um, getting, getting my like spiritual connection out on the page was very grounding. So you can write dear God, dear, your universe, dear self, higher self, dear queen within whatever is, is right for you. And just like the more you spend time with any human being, you get to know that human being more. You develop a relationship with that human being and you spend enough time with someone, you can tell what they're thinking before they even say it. You can tell when they're what's going to make them happy or upset before they even indicate it. The same is true for your intuition, but you've got to spend the time with it and create that relationship. So the process that I do is, for me, it's dear God or universe. And it can show up something like... Um, I talk to God in the universe, just like I talk to you, Ashley, yeah. you know, like I'll say like, here's what's going on. I'm just like, so excited about what's going on. I'm, I'm so upset about what's going on. I'm afraid. Um, I'm angry. I'm, I'm curious, like whatever it is. And I start writing in my journal about whatever's going on. And then typically if I'm being in tune with my intuition, I'm asking some sort of question, like mm -hmm. anything from should I get the salmon or the chicken to um, should I accept this work opportunity or not? Or should I wait to send that email? <laughs> or, mm -hmm. you know? And so spending time with my intuition like it is an external relationship has helped me hone and know the difference between an intuitive hit and a fleeting feeling, mm -hmm. um, or a random thought. Mm. And 
what I want to really encourage everyone is like, don't be, don't be hard on yourself. If this is new for you, it's no different than like learning how to play a new instrument or speak a new language. Like you're gonna hit sharp and flat notes. You're gonna pronounce the word incorrectly. And if you're looking to hone your intuition, you're gonna get it wrong. It's part of failing forward. You're gonna be like, should I get the salmon or the chicken? And you're like, I think it's the salmon. And then you, you'll you start to notice like, oh, but I got the salmon and it wasn't great. That was actually the thought. I should get the salmon because it's healthier because the chicken had a sauce on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. When the intuition was really get the, get the chicken. Mm-hmm. So you'll start to notice as you cultivate this relationship, like, what really was right on for you. And oftentimes that will be in hindsight until you hone your intuition enough that you can then catch it beforehand. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I wanna make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to uturnpodcast.com slash clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, this got me thinking a lot about people who are indecisive, you know, and like wondering mm-hmm. what, what is that really about? Because it, it, it seems like it's almost like a battle between the head and the heart, you know? So for anybody who's indecisive and not feeling connected to their instinct, you know, the, the journaling exercise makes sense. Are there any other thoughts you have for them to even identify intuition? Because I know a lot of people sometimes think, well, maybe I'm just afraid. And that's the voice in my head telling me not to do something versus the intuition, which is so much deeper than just basic fear. Sure. Well, first of all, being indecisive is a decision and it's a decision to be a victim. Mm. So I need to be real clear on that. So let's just get like, people are like, I need to sleep on it. We wear that like a badge of honor. There's like, who wants to sleep on on indecision? That doesn't make um, any sense because when you understand the energy underneath it, it's really about being a victim. Mm -hmm. So what you get to do is understand that from a place of power, that you are, as a queen, you are deciding for your good. Now, that doesn't mean that the answer shows up instantaneously, but if you're coming from an entirely different energetic, if you are saying, okay, I'm going to make, uh, I've made the decision that I am landing the most exciting job that uses my zone of genius, that I look forward to going to every day and that pays me well, and is in a particular city. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to know what that answer is yet, but that's making a decision. Yeah, that that's a non-negotiable for you, and that's the way queens function is from a point of getting really great at non-negotiables. Okay, so how can I know that sometimes people who seem like they have non-negotiables can come off as um, aggressive or inflexible or. Mm-hmm. you know, unsatisfiable, like, I don't even know if that's a word, but it's like, what can you say for somebody as they're trying to process or come up with what are their non-negotiables? Yes. That, um, it too is a process and be gentle with yourself, you know, for, um, every woman's greatest fear is, am I worth it? And every man's greatest fear is, do I have what it takes? And so until we really settle into our own worthiness and capability, we can come across as defensive and it's part of the failing forward process. So I'll out out myself. It's on a slightly different subject, but kind of the same here. So I am in creating non-negotiables for myself at the beginning of my career. I, I used to be very invisible in my communication, in my style, in um, how I showed up in life. And obviously that didn't serve me, it didn't serve my clients, it didn't serve success, any of it. Yeah. So then I did the pendulum swing and I started speaking the truth, but I hadn't yet honed the art of speaking the truth in love. Hmm. (laughs) So it just kind of blurted out as it might have been true, 
but we all know it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very awkward time for me because it was part of my growth to actually speak up and to speak it out. It would be like learning how to, I don't know, play the piano and you're like hitting the right notes, but you're playing it too loud. So it's still hard on the ear. Um, and you haven't learned how to play it, you know, softly yet for greatest impact. Mm. And so I think that's what people need to be gentle with themselves in their own non-negotiables. If you're coming, if your forward movement, like, it's just a big deal for you to make this a non-negotiable and you're like, you know, standing at the top of a mountain with your flag and screaming at the top of your lungs. Like, is, is that super attractive? Um, not in ultimately, but it sure is better than the person who's at the bottom of the hill who's too afraid to even start or to put themselves out there. Hmm. So don't compare your middle to someone else's beginning or end. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that I've found. There isn't anybody that has criticized my process that's further ahead than me. Mm -hmm. Usually the people that are criticizing, like, oh, you're being too brazen, you're being too much of a bitch about that, or you're just all about you or whatever, are the people that haven't even, they're the ones at the bottom of the hill that haven't even started. Yeah, you know, I, I get that feeling. And I also think like, a lot of people seem to be maybe intimidated by somebody like you who is unapologetic in their power and wants to earn a living that they're feeling really good about and supported by. And, um, you know, it kind of leads me into what are some communication tools or how are some ways that you see certain people communicate where you think, wow, you know, this is really, uh, really something, you know, this is somebody who's a queen. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some indicators for you? So the first place we always begin is with ourselves. Anytime we're frustrated in communication, like if we feel like people aren't hearing us or they're not doing what we are asking or uh, any of that, it's usually a sign that we are not taking the time to really hear ourselves and our own truth. So the first thing I would encourage everyone is really like spend even five minutes at the beginning of the day, like with yourself really hearing you, like what's your day about? And, and don't let the tail wag the dog like you're a creator create and impress upon the universe like what your intention is and what you want for the day Mm. the the another type of queenly communication is in in terms of the speaking the truth in love and this was very confusing for me because we we come from this paradigm of like there's a winner and a loser or there's someone who's right and there's someone who's wrong especially when it comes to confrontation But in taking a stand for the and as a queen, you know, unless someone is like, you know, just, you know, really, really challenged, everyone's got like a perspective. And so being curious in communication, um, I read about this a lot in the book too, that, you know, my tendency used to be to jump to conclusions. You know, I prided myself on being super smart and having looked at the angle from every possible direction and why the F would someone do that? And this needs addressed or this needs stopped. And I've learned not perfectly, but I'm much better than I used to be to ask. Like, so I'm curious as to why you selected that photo for the newsletter. You know, I'm curious as to why you didn't respond to my email for over X amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned is as smart as I think I am, that people are really good people and people are making really good decisions for themselves and It might not be what you want. It might not even be your preference. But then from that place, you can just express that. You can just say, hey, I really get why you selected that photo or why you waited to respond because you were handling X, Y, and Z. In the future, I'd appreciate, you know, um, just let me know that you're busy. Or in the future, I'd appreciate, show me what photo you're going to use before it goes out online. And Getting really curious, I've found, um, is really a sign of wisdom. And it's something that um, in our fast-paced culture, people just aren't stopping to take the time to be curious about why someone did something. 
Mm-hmm. And I love the not making assumptions because I've actually seen you practice that when we're hanging out, like something will come up and you'll be like, okay, I don't want to assume I'm going to check in. And it makes you such a, a pleasant and empowering and connected person to speak to versus adversarial, you know, which I know is something that we all have to work on, you know, in our communication and I think a lot of people at work, they want to ask for a raise or, you know, they want to really stand out in their interview. What are a couple communication tools or indicators that you think this person is going to impress them and get that raise or land that job? Yeah. Um, honestly, you got to think about what you're contributing. I think that this is, it's talked about a lot, but of all of the resumes and videos and submissions that I get, like... I am not seeing enough people like get, they can, you could get my attention so quickly if you've thought about what you're going to take off of my plate or what you're going to take off your manager's plate, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, People like to come in, they like to talk about themselves. I graduated from this university and my skills are this and I can do that. But um, getting into like more of the real life, having done the research or taken a look at how you can contribute, there isn't, you know, a hiring manager in the world that's not looking for that or looking for someone that's taken the leadership, who has the confidence, who has the foresight to say, hey, um, this is what I'd love to come and bring to the table. This is um, what I love that you're doing. This is how I think I could improve it. Um, this, I mean, everyone everyone has too much on their plates. And so anyone being hired to come in is looking, the the organization is looking for something to be taken off of somebody's plate. Mm -hmm. And so I think just really um, being innovative and creative and thoughtful about the other person um, Mm. is the name of the game. Okay. And I know that some people listening, um, you know, like I used to be very, very efficient I used to see the world through an efficiency lens and sometimes I still do. And that looked like a lot of masculine communication, like instead of being like uh, checking in or connecting or uh, anything, I just wanted to get things done. And Mm -hmm. at my worst, I probably sounded like an asshole, but at my best, I was just really effective. Um, So I think some people listening right now, they're probably thinking, yeah, I, I'm kind of in my masculine a lot. Um, what are what are one suggestion you would have for them to think about um, the next time that they communicate if they feel themselves in that to do mode that um, is a straight line um, and and kind of not considering that feminine energy that a queen would embody? Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to be at the top, then you've got to have vision. Um, no, even if you're an assistant. You know, like if you want to be rising, if you want the promotion, if you want to be closer to the person's further ahead, you've got to have vision. Like anyone can be a a taskmaster, so to speak, you know, just like, okay, we need to get this done, we need to get that done. But I've seen it um, within my own team and I've seen it within different organizations when the spirit is just about the accomplishment it lacks that vision and it lacks an attractiveness um, that is the, is the only reason to do it anything in the first place. Mm. And so really getting, you know, I, I look at this a lot with hiring too. You know, it's not just a skill set that I, I look for. I, I look at the, the spirit of the person coming in, in terms of, we're, we're all like looking to like do things so quickly and so fast to get those checklists checked off. But I think that there are people who have vision are really looking for the experience on the journey as well. Mm-hmm. And so the, the feminine will look at the creative element. It will look at the vision. It will look at the experience of the process. Um, not just the masculine, which is also important. I don't mean to diminish the masculine in any way, but it's, um, we're, we're missing it if it's just about checkboxes. Yeah. And I think that too many people are looking for a mentality of paint by number, give me the formula, tell me what to do, give me the tasks. And we are such capable human beings. Like our brains are so amazing. Our heart and soul and spirit and everything that we can add from a passionate place 
this is what makes life worth living. This is what makes uh, like a job worth going to, uh, you know, getting out of this ordinary and into the outrageous and kind of like a Freddie Mercury kind of way is really what lifts up every organization, every individual, every team, every project, every product. It's like, it's time to get a lot more colorful, a lot more interesting. Mm, okay. And I, I love what you're saying. And I think like the word visionary, it's such an inspiring word. And I think a lot of people who are in the workforce, you know, like they're sometimes very inspired by their job. Other times they're not inspired at all. And this idea of being visionary feels really um, empowering to them. So let's say somebody wants to take some initiative and they see a way that they can improve things at work or improve things even in their relationship. Um, do you have any conversation starters or like even bite sound bites of like how a queen would sound if somebody's trying to initiate some sort of change? That's such a great question. Um, you know, not every environment is as welcoming. Mm -hmm. And so I, it, what I will say this first and foremost, like this is not about excuses, but put yourself in an environment that craves your innovation, your vision, your care, your thoughts, your contribution, because there are so, so, so many. So I see like a lot of people, a lot of my clients will come to me in corporate and they're like, this is just the way it's done. This is the culture of the company. That change is never going to happen all that. And it's like, what are you doing there? And don't talk to me about your golden handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Like there are, there are too many in corporate and entrepreneurial and startup and like, too many options in the global marketplace where right right now there is some business owner on their knees begging for you to show up in their lives because they are craving contribution, innovation, not being the one that has to always come up with the idea or the vision and to think, um, et cetera. So I would just want to remind you, think higher for yourself that what you seek is seeking you. Mm -hmm. And in that place, you'll just thrive. Like, I mean, anybody that works at our company knows like we, like you got an idea, bring it to us. There's a better way to do it. There's a way that you'd like to do it. You know, that that's different. Like we are so open and we're not the only ones that are like that. So I think that you've got to really pay attention to the environment that you're in and then take the initiative to, um, you know, talk with your supervisor and say, Hey, I've got an idea. When's a good time for us to talk about how we could do things differently here. I love this. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it, when we think about masculine, feminine, and, um, you know, different habits, can you break down any possible habits that some people have? Um, like for example, making assumptions or, um, anything like that, that you kind of think, okay, this might be indicators that you're in the red and you want to rethink how you're showing up. Yes. My first one and favorite one is think higher for yourself think bigger for yourself. You are amazing. You are talented. You deserve to be in an environment where you can just absolutely shine. And so the first thing I would say is for you to be the visionary, no matter what circumstance you're in right now, even if you're in that corporation where it's like, you know, their favorite word is no, mm. like, how can you be that shining light, think higher for yourself? Um, and show yourself what you can create. There's a, a, a particular person outside of my organization that I'm working with right now. And I've been really frustrated by the relationship. And I've, um, I've sort of tiptoed around a little bit. I've sent some emails like, Hey, maybe we could try this. And, you know, and then I could feel that automatic programming in me to just be like, you know what, I should just like jump ship and, and, Work, work with someone else. Mm -hmm. But then I practice this, Gina, think higher for yourself. What if you could create a different dynamic here? What if you could create a different experience? And if you're going to do that, that doesn't come from a tactical, like neck up place that comes from the visionary place that comes from the totality of the masculine and feminine. Mm. So what I went and did is first I sat in meditation and I visualized what's the best outcome that I could dream up for this particular dyna work dynamic. Like if, if I can 
wave a magic wand and create anything, like what would this relationship look like? What would it feel like? What would the results be? What would the outcome be? And I just started to feel my vibration. I felt my power and I felt the, the, that this person would actually want that too, even though this person's favorite word happened to be no for a while. Mm. And, and then I remembered that I don't have to be the one to make everything happen. That for me, I do believe in God and the universe and infinite intelligence. And so I prayed, I prayed that this vision would be planted in the mind and the heart of this other person. Mm. And that we would be working together, even though this was just on the energetic level at this moment. But in that, I saw this vision and then I also surrendered to who this vision was attached to. So either this person will rise to this higher standard that I have now created to be a non-negotiable for myself, or someone else will come in because that's how vibrational matches work. But I would say the first thing for you is to remember you're not a victim, you're a queen or a king, and you have the power, whether you're male or female, to integrate the totality of your femininity and your masculinity to create a work environment that not just that you can do and that's like even meaningful, but that you're thrilled by and that lights you up and makes your life one of the pieces that's worth living. Oh, okay. This is so good. Um, as we're closing out, Gina, I just can't help but ask you, like, when you think back in time to your younger self in Detroit, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice that would have made such a difference for you in your career and in your empowerment, what would it have been? Don't settle. Oh, don't settle. I was so... You know, I, I use I did so much wrong. I was I like had nice girl syndrome. I um I thought that I, I was really doing a spiritual bypass because I thought that I was just being like happy for others who were succeeding and that one day my time would come and and living vicariously through others was good enough for me. And um all of it like first of all none of that's spiritual like and um don't settle and don't uh, don't let things take so long i think that's the other thing i was so programmed with well big results take time no they don't big results can have you know freedom is a thought away and you can get a, a new job or meet a new connection or get a new opportunity you know in, in the blink of an eye and uh, the universe knows where its people are so I would say, um, don't settle and dream bigger. I love um, that. Oh, and lastly, yes. Rem remember that you have the power to bend time and space. Oh, tell me a little bit more about that for everybody listening. Cause they're probably like, no, I don't, you know, some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if you haven't been taught it, I understand. And if you haven't accessed that power within you in a while, I also understand, but it's, um, just because your muscle has atrophied doesn't mean that it's not there. And we as human beings have so much power to make different decisions, to take different actions, to create new habits, to think bigger, to create non-negotiables and to call in miracles into our lives. And so, you know, you can sit there and say, it's going to take a long time for you to find the right job for you or the right romantic partner or the right apartment or whatever it is you're saying, or it's going to, it's going to be really hard or, um, it, it, or you can say, I am completing this small-minded thinking, I am accessing the power within me to bend time and space and to have this happen quickly and swiftly in whatever timing is right for your purpose. Beautiful. Well, Gina, thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find the book. I know it's on Amazon coming out this week. Talk to me. Yes, yes, it is. It's, I'm so, it's been such a delight to be here. Thank you, uh, everyone, for all of your um, time and attention here today. You can go to divineliving.com, and all of the details will be there. And you can also um, get it on Amazon and wherever uh, books are sold. Yes, and those of you who don't remember, the book is called Audacity to Be a queen, uh, the unapologetic art of dreaming big and manifesting your most fabulous life. I'm so excited to dig in, Gina. Thank you so much. And I love you. I love you too, Ashley. It's been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Hello, friends. Just reflecting on this episode with Gina DeVee. Um, 
for those of you who have never been exposed to her until now, there's so much more to learn from her. I learned she's probably of all the friends I have somebody that I learned the most from just in her being, you know, like there's people that you learn from because they tell you something. And then there's people you learn from because you watch them. And she really walks the walk of what she's talking about, you know, like she's really embodied and I'm really moved by that. And what I've been noticing with myself in the coaching space is there's so much content out there that helps me look at my mind and think about, okay, like this is the concept that I'm supposed to be looking into. But what I've been more curious about lately is how do I be it versus talk about it? And sometimes talking about it presents this illusion that we are being it when in actuality we're not. And so what I want to invite you into today is to really take a moment to examine, are you talking about something um, in your life or are you actually being it? Are you talking about doing something or are you actually doing it? Um, one of the strongest forces that I know to be true is your desire to have your identity stay the same. And the reason that people, you know, so if you could just fill in the blank right now, I am the one who. I identify as I'm the one who's a career coach. I'm the one who's on time. I'm the one, I have so many identities. Um, and it feels very shaking to me when I don't keep that identity up. So what does that mean? That means if I'm late somewhere, it really shakes me up because I identify as somebody who's always on time. Um, and it undermines my identity. So I want to invite you now, like, how do you identify and what resistance do you have from stepping into an identity that perhaps you really want to step into? And what you can look at with this is really evaluating where are you not in your power? Because one of the biggest concepts I got from Gina listening to this episode is that what's so fascinating about studying queens is she's right. There's this blend between masculine and feminine. And in spiritual psychology and with everything I've learned, that is the trademark of an evolved person is somebody who's integrated in their masculine and energy, energy and feminine energy. Um, so, you know, somebody who's all the way on the passive feminine side, they're going to want to be saved. Somebody who's all the way on the masculine side is like a shark and attacking people to go their way. Um, and then there's that integration where maybe somebody needs to step into a certain type of conversation in their, you know, uh, feminine energy to be in collaboration. And then somebody else needs to take a little more action. These are all ways to integrate. Um, and I love that she studied the queen for her book. And what an incredible book. I just got my copy. Um, but I love how she studies the queen as an archetype for all of us to embody. And one of the keys I took away from the queen was that she's not a victim. She's not a victim. She is somebody who's choosing to take dominion over her life. And what that requires is a willingness to look at where things aren't working. And that is a hot spot that most of us don't want to look because it's inconvenient to look at what's not working. And so one tip I want to leave you on that I've been recently doing in my own life is to grab a notepad or even create a note in your iPhone of little things that you're not doing that when you kind of think about them or they fly through your mind, it's draining, it's overwhelming, you don't want to deal with it. So for example, in my case, calling my health insurance company, really not in the mood to do it, getting a new ID at the DMV, changing my address for jury duty, I moved in with my boyfriend. These are the things that um, I'm dragging my feet on. So I would say really taking a look at where are you dragging your feet? Where are you avoiding? Because a queen is going to handle her shit and I invite you to do the same. Um, Gina, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. Thanks for being my friend. You're so sacred to me. And those of you who are tuning in, I'm so excited to be sharing people that I love like her um, and the magic that they bring into the world. And I would love for you to tag both of us on Instagram, Gina DeVee and Ashley Stahl. Um, and let us know, like, what did you learn from this episode? Where do you want to step up and be more of a queen? Gina has amazing events that she does every single year, and she just puts such good content out there. Um, I'm just so grateful to have shared this conversation with her and with you. So sending you love. Can't wait to connect next week as usual. And I'll talk to you soon.
Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.